0: Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Happy Advent to everyone. First, I want to say to all of you as my brothers and sisters, welcome home, because this is your home. Let us pray. Father, send your spirit to each of us today to cleanse me of myself and make your words be my words. And for those hearing today, I ask that they not hear my words, but only your words to them. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm not sure exactly why I got scheduled right after Skip. I'm just saying. So. Actually, I kind of volunteered. It's okay. Um, today, we're going to focus on our gospel message. And I want to first give you a little background. And then I want to explore the deeper meaning of the Gospel message. Luke 21 is probably one of the most studied chapters in the New Testament. There's a lot there. We don't want to be here till 3 or 4 o'clock this afternoon, so I'm going to kind of maintain a little bit of focus. And then when we, when we conclude, I do want to look at what you and I can do to serve God and His kingdom. So a little bit of background. We talked three weeks ago about the widow's mite and how Jesus was tired... Walked out of the temple for the last time. He physically just has now left the temple itself. He's walked out. And the the disciples are all looking around gawking. You know, hey, wow, look at this big, beautiful building. Look at all the adornments, noble stones and offerings that you can see. And Jesus turns around and says, all this is going to get torn down. Now, this obviously shocked them. Probably stunned them. But think about it from their point of view, from the Jewish mind. This was one of the seven wonders of the world. And it was all going to get torn down in three days, which by the way did happen. In the Jewish mind, the destruction of the temple and coming of God are the same thing. It's all going to happen at once. And this is where the kind of listening to the background closely helps. But I want to point out why. Why? They thought the end of days were going to be coming as soon as the prophecy was fulfilled from their point of view. Just as Christians living throughout the Black Death in the Middle Ages where 30% of the world population died must have thought the world is coming to an end. A Christian living in Europe during World War I must have thought this has got to be it. The world's coming to an end. Fast forward 30-40 years, World War II, same exact thing. This has got to be it. When we see our great nation, which was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, slide into decay, we may believe the end is near. And we may be right. I'm not saying we are. I'm just saying we may be right. Um, One of the things uh, Jesus does point out in verse 9 at the end of this chapter is that the end will not come at once his words not mine so keep that in mind that's kind of the background it's not all compressed into the first century as some belief we're told so how long before jesus returns to use the uh, quote of a teenage daughter of mine uh <laughs> we don't know but and we should, we're not supposed to know and by the way, if anybody ever tells you that they know it, okay, don't listen to them. Don't pay any attention to them. But in their shock, you know, what would you do if somebody came up with a stunning statement like that? Especially if you knew that this was God standing before you. You're going to start asking questions. The disciples asked too. When will these things be? And this is uh, verse 7, by the way. And then what will be the sign when these things take place? Two separate questions. Jesus answers two questions with four answers. And I'm going to get off the background here pretty quick. He does tell them in the next chapter of their coming trials. He's pretty accurate, y'all, in terms of what happened in the first century of the persecution of the Christians. You're going to be put before emperors, God will tell you what to say, you know, read it. And then next, he tells of the destruction of Jerusalem in graphic detail. All the way to the point where he kind of gives them a little bit of instructions. Hey, if you're listening, and you see these signs, leave. Guess what? The Christians did. When Jerusalem was under siege, they, they left. So, finally getting to our focus, he tells of his second coming. Twice. Now, those of us with kids, and the dads especially... Have you ever used the, the, the statement to your kids, I have told you twice? You know, that normally means you better listen. Because bad things are about to happen if you don't. So everything that Jesus has already prophesied happened. That is a strong implication that his second coming is going to happen. It's coming. Jesus is coming again. So in our gospel reading today Jesus looks forward into the future and he describes the coming of the Son of Man. Nature will show signs in the heaven and the seas. People will see the signs and faint in fear. How many of you have ever been so terrified or seen somebody so terrified or scared that they fainted? That is a real reaction. That does happen. And then Jesus will return in God's glory. Think about that. Our Lord and Savior is coming back. Jesus is coming. Look up. Be ready. Your redemption is near. This could happen tomorrow. It could happen tonight. It could happen during the sermon. If anybody hears a shofar blowing, let me know. Jesus is teaching this as an imperative. He's not teaching this as one day I'm going to come. He's teaching this as an imperative. Now. Be ready for me now. To emphasize this point, He also tells us of His return in the lesson of the fig tree as part of our Gospel lesson. Again, He's now told you twice. In today's Old Testament reading, Zechariah tells us the same thing. Then the Lord my God will come, and all the holy ones with him. In First Thessalonians four sixteen, which is three uh, verses after today's uh, epistle. For the Lord himself will descend from the heavens with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet, uh, the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead will rise in Christ first. Jesus is coming, and he's bringing friends. Think about that. He's not going to be alone. He's bringing people with him. Jesus is bringing his body, the body of Christ. You hear this over and over. What does it mean? The body of Christ consists of every single soul who has accepted Christ. From the very first person who accepted Christ, for argument's sake, let's say the woman at the well, all the way through the last person who comes who accepts Christ just before his return? That's the body of Christ. That's amazing, isn't it? You know, it just it stuns me. And his kingdom will return, all of them. Can you imagine the, the horde that you're going to see coming on Christ's return? Or depending on when it is, you may be in there. He is bringing heaven to earth. So a fair question is, why should I care? What's so attractive that I should care about heaven, being in heaven? So what I'm going to talk to you about will never measure up to the magnificence of heaven. It really can't. But I'm just going to hopefully give you enough of a glimpse to answer the question, or at least get you thinking. Heaven is a place of eternal joy. Always Our joy on earth is always tainted with sin. In heaven, there is no sin. We will be fully saturated with the Holy Spirit for all eternity. I want you to get a picture of standing out in the rain on a nice warm summer day and feeling that saturating rain hitting you, cooling you off. That's the the feeling of the Holy Spirit that you're going to have for all eternity. Uh, By the way, for all the moms in here, no, you're not going to catch cold. Joy, what is joy though? I want you to picture joy as when your kids get up on Christmas morning. That excitement and anticipation, that's joy. Think about the things on earth that we enjoy. Barbecues, sporting events, sewing circles. You know, there's a point in which all of it becomes not fun. And what is that point? That's when the world enters. We've got to go to work. Game's over. Um, You know, it's got to put the kids to bed. Okay, that's the world entering into the joy. By the way, one of the authors I read said he envisioned heaven as the Cubs winning eternally the World Series. (laughs) So we'll say the Dallas Cowboys. So it's pure joy. In Heaven, the world cannot enter because sin is not present. If y'all could just envision a world without sin, think about no sin, no corruption. You know, it's just it's amazing to envision it. I want you to now picture a veil between us and heaven. We can't see through the veil. By the way, every once in a while we catch a little glimpse. But the heavens can see us. Every once in a while, we do get that brief glimpse, though. Why the separation? This goes back a long time because sin has entered the world. God cannot be in the presence of sin, He cannot tolerate it. So the separation is to keep us and the sin of this world away from God. Jesus is our bridge. In heaven, the Holy Spirit literally fills everything everywhere. Like water fills a water balloon. When Jesus tears at the veil at his return, the Holy Spirit will burst forth into this world. The, flush, the Spirit will flush out all of the evil, sin, corruption of this world when Jesus returns. Which, by the way, is Satan. He will be flushed out of this world. He loses in the end. And everything will be backfilled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus will do this by driving out sin with his sword as a warrior king. Can you imagine the sins, or can you imagine the Spirit's eternal presence on this earth? The entire body of Christ is with you. From the first person to accept Christ all the way to the end. There's no sin. We get eternal time. We get quality FaceTime with Jesus. We're basking in God's glory forever. I heard someone make a comment one time that uh, a, a universal or a, an eternal choir is not what I'm looking for. No offense, by the way. But it will be pure joy. You know, will you sing? Because you want to. We can have fellowship with those who are promoted before us. Our loved ones. I'm sure images are popping up in your head. They are in mine. How about Saint Stephen? Anybody ever wanted to meet him? Or Saint Paul? Wouldn't it be cool to meet him? This is what heaven is like. How about Billy Graham? That's one I really want to meet. And I do pray that when we do graduate into heaven, that we meet again in that long line of brothers and sisters who've gone before us, patting them on the back, telling them how much we love them and missed them. But we're there now. So next, now, finally, I want to talk about what we can do to serve Christ in his kingdom. We can now, without a doubt, know that the kingdom of Christ is near. So what can we do to prepare? Well, let's start with uh, Jesus' words. I'm not going to read them directly to you. They're verse right after today's gospel. He tells you what to do. He gives you instructions. And Skip hit several points on, uh, uh, about not being anxious last week, and to be honest, I'm not going to try to copy or follow Skip on that. He, did, he does better than I can. But first of all, don't get bogged down with the world clouding your faith. Avoid excesses and alcohols or any substance that would distract anything that will distract you from God. Keep your focus on Jesus. Stop worrying about the cares of this world. Live a life ready for the judgment of Christ. I'm not asking anything more than what Jesus himself asks here. Turn and repent. There's not a single person in here that does not need to repent, me included. And also do the one thing he told us to do as his followers. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's not an option, that's a do. So brothers and sisters, I have been putting off this admission because it hurts me deeply. We live in a post-Christian America. We're there. We as followers of Jesus are at war with the forces of Satan. Now the battle is already won, but Satan is not going to go down without a fight. You have a part to play. Let us prepare for battle. When Jesus returns, do you want to be the last one in the door as it closes? Kind of think about an airplane. You, know, you always see that one person rushing in at the last, holding the door so he can sneak in before the door closes. Do you want to be that person? Or do you want to be the person that when they walk into heaven, Jesus just runs up and wraps his arms around you and the whole heavenly host cheers. You, know, you made it. You did it. We want you here. As I mentioned last time we spoke, I don't think big changes are very helpful. Let's make small changes in the way we do things. This is not a social club here, y'all. This is a place to worship God. We serve Jesus Christ, our King, our Lord and Savior. So first, I ask you to pray, not just in church, several times a day for our country, for those in need for what lays on your heart. God will tell you what to pray for. Next, immerse yourself in God's Word. You'd be amazed how much time you can save if you turn the things off that do not glorify God. How about Pure flicks instead of Netflix? Modern news networks are there to sell their political ideology, not to tell the news. You can ignore them completely. Think of the time you'll save there. Spread God's Word. You have at least one person in your life that God has placed there because you are to share the Gospel with them. Fight for what is right. Resist evil. In this case, this this will be difficult. And it may cause you suffering. You're fighting the forces of Satan that control this world. And, And I just mentioned they will not go down without a fight. But he will lose. And last, did I mention pray? Prayer is the answer. When we do get to the judgment seat, Jesus will judge us. He will judge our performance. How many of y'all have ever had a performance review? I may have just drug up some pretty nasty memories. So will your performance review go reached rock bottom and show signs of starting to dig? This is Jesus. Think about it. Sets low personal standards and then consistently fails to achieve them. That's not good. Or a great servant within one month of his performance review. I'm looking forward to being with Jesus and I, with all my heart, want my Performance review to be well done, good and faithful servant, as I believe y'all do. It's time to change. It is time to repent. If Je- Jesus returned to Earth right now after this sermon, are are you where you need to be? Are you? Is your heart right? Are you where you need to be? Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now, we got an opportunity today in the service. Remember what I call our Anglican altar call. We call it the Eucharist. When you come forward today, bring your worldly concerns to Christ and offer them to Him. And ask God for your forgiveness. Repentance is key. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus will return. And it's critical That you have your heart and mind set on Him. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.